You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Now let's bring in a good friend of the program, set to join us, one of the best in the business. It's Jason Cole from Bleach Report. Jason, thanks for taking the time. You're an actual football journalist as opposed to someone like me who's just loud no pine. So what can you tell us about the reason why Malcolm Butler was benched by the Patriots last night? I can't tell you anything about why other than what Belichick has said so far. Um, and I find it curious, but knowing Belichick, he came to this not out of spite, but out of some logical conclusion based on actions taken by Malcolm Butler um, that he thought would affect how he played. I think it's an awfully drastic decision. But I, I remember talking with Belichick one time, and we were discussing Richard Seymour, and why he traded Richard Seymour, you know, famously on the eve of the season. And he just felt like he knew he he wasn't going to re-sign Richard. Richard knew knew he wasn't going to re-sign with the Patriots. So he came to the conclusion that Richard was going to give decreasing effort as the season went on and would not be as, you know, fixated on helping the team win. All that said... He's not playing Malcolm Butler 98% of the time this season and right up until the last game. So I don't know why you choose at this moment in time to get away from that. So something drastic must have happened to make uh, to, to basically spook Belichick into why he didn't play you know, one of his top corners. Jason, outside of the victory for the team, um, did Nick Foles outplay Tom Brady? No, I thought <laughs> I thought that it was a draw at best. Um, other than the pass catching ability, I mean, uh, it was clear that the Foles is a better receiver than than Brady. I don't think that that much matters in the long, in the larger scale. But uh, look, I, I thought Brady played a great game. I, I don't think that Brady made any mistakes. And if you say that you're going to score, you know, thirty three points. Most of the time, for the Patriots, you feel pretty good that you're going to win. You know, the problem was they gave up 41. And that defense that all of us saw during the season that gave up a lot of yards, you know, finally gave up yards and points, like it did in the first couple of games. But they had seemingly fixed that because they'd done such a good job with their secondary in terms of spacing so that once you got into the red zone, they were capable of stopping people. But once you take Butler out of that equation – that goes away in in a very large respect. So um, I think that, you know, the decision on Butler was a huge one for them. And it wasn't, this wasn't, while it was decided by the quarterbacks and they had a huge amount to, to, to say about the outcome of the game, I thought their play was basically to a draw. Chatting with a good friend, Jason Cole of Bleach Report. So, Jason, we had two more of those catch, no catch scenarios yesterday. When we get to the meeting of the competition committee in the offseason, is the league finally going to try to simplify this ongoing debate, at least from their perspective, about what a catch is? Well, they're going to try. I mean, Roger said that, you know, Roger Goodell said that twice last week. Uh, an individual radio conference, he said it uh, during the State of the League address on Wednesday. So, you know, it's clear that they want to. The problem that they have, and I think Cordell can probably explain this a little bit better, is can you live with the downside of allowing more situations like that to be catches? And by downside, I mean fumbles. 
So if you allow the Earth play to be a catch, which they did yesterday, all right, and he goes to the ground, hits the ground, the ball comes loose. And, and you know, he's, it's sort of, you know, this has ended because he crossed the goal line. But in the open field, if he does that and goes to the ground, that's a, that should be a live ball. And if he can't get, get control of it again, that's potentially a fumble. So you're adding, I don't know, probably anywhere from six to ten fumbles per year per team. You know, that's a lot more fumbles. And coaches hate that because fumbles scare coaches uh, and, and make them worry that they're not going to, you know, that you know, some chance thing is going to affect the, the outcome of their jobs and their seasons and all those kinds of things, right? So I think there's a, there's a great way to simplify it if you're willing to live with more fumbles, and that's more of a coach issue. If you're not, then it's always going to be, compl- it's going to be complex. So the one thing that fans don't seem to understand um, is that when you make that rule change to, hey, you know, it looks like a catch, it should be a catch, that's true. But then you add in... The, the ones that look like a catch and become fumbles as well. Over the past few years, and, and well, going back to the Super Bowl last year, to the Steelers and also the Jacksonville Jaguars, those teams had a tendency in some capacity of the game, at some moment in the game, to take the needle off the record. One thing this team needed to do in Philadelphia was, was to truly go out uh, and play to the very last minute. Give me your approach or your thought process on Doug Peterson, how he maintained being aggressive Thinking about that fourth and one play where he ended up throwing a touchdown to their quarterback was extremely aggressive and almost seemed like they were a player or two ahead of Bill Belichick at points in the game. Well, I think there's – look, Doug Peterson innately has to like to gamble. All right? And I don't know if that means you know, like actual gambling or not, but <laughs> he, he, he likes to take chances. Okay? I'm not trying to you know say that he's hanging out in Atlantic City every night. But I uh, – uh, he 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 doesn't he doesn't shy away from it, right? And I think that that innate sense of it is also fed by look who he was the backup quarterback to. I mean, Dan Marino and Brett Favre. And I don't know that you can find any two quarterbacks who are bigger gamblers or gunslingers in the history of this league um, than those two guys, right? Who believed. And the, their ability to throw a ball or you know make, make a play, and I believe that whatever innate understanding um, that he had uh, of, uh, of gambling was only enhanced by playing behind those guys, right? So here you have a guy who's sitting there going, "We're not backing down. You know, we're we're coming out and we're coming to get you." And then you you made a great point about this, Cordell, which is. He was prepared for that moment. Yes, he did seem like he was two two steps ahead because when they went to those decisions, it was like there was no timeout. There was no like, hey, let's huddle and think about what we're going to do. You know, no, it was like, hey, we didn't get it on third down. Go, just go. We got the play. We're set. It's fourth down. And I think that that, and I'd love to hear your take on it, Cordell. I think that when you're like that, when a coach is like that. I think that filters down the players, and they're like, "All right, good. We're 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 not even thinking, but we're going because we believe in ourselves." There's no hesitation because when you have that timeout, that's when you start to think about all the bad things that can happen if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. If you just go and you say, "Hey, we're ready for the next play. Let's let's move on." 
you don't have time to think about the bad things that can happen. Well, I'll say this. If you go back to that Rams game when Nick Foles actually came in for Carson Wentz, one of the conversations that Doug Peterson had was he didn't want to change the approach in the game because naturally, what do you do when the backup comes in? You start running the football, you start dinking and dunking, and now you're playing into the hand of the defense because traditionally that's what you do when you bring the backup in. But I thought he kept, I thought he kept, as I mentioned, the, the needle on the record and just kept that thing of playing. And the only two games where I think most probably fell off when it came to Nick Foles was obviously the, the Oakland game and the, and the Dallas game. But he ended up picking those pieces back up again and, and actually started playing well against Atlanta. And then you saw what he did against Minnesota, and I think it had carried over. So to answer your question, um, I just thought he was just playing brave football in the sense of how he coached it throughout the entire season. So Doug Peterson, I think he took his his world of playing the game, he implemented it to coaching the game, also being behind Andy Reid as a coach, and it fed into the backup quarterback like he once was, understanding that, hey, I know when I played, I probably handed off all the time. Uh, That's why we lost. I'll say this about Doug, though. When he went in games, I love Doug. But he wasn't a guy who was slinging it. (laughs) (laughs) There was an awful lot of, hey, who can I hand it to? (laughs) There was some of that, and and rightfully so. Look, he's a good athlete. He he just wasn't as blessed as... You know, it's the guys that he backed up. And so you can't, like, you can't expect a backup quarterback to go in and carry out the Brett Favre game plan or the Dan Marino game plan. That's just not going to happen. Jason, let's wrap it up with Nick Foles. So you go from being Super Bowl MVP to potentially number two on the depth chart again in Philadelphia. And I think that's literally going to be the case. But what about the view that mm-hmm. the Eagles could view him as an asset? If they get an incoming call offering, maybe a second round pick, do you think they would look to deal Foles in the offseason? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you think about it. Now, I think that Nick Foles has earned the courtesy from them of saying, hey, hey, look, Nick, we want you here because you're valuable as a backup. But we also understand that, you know, you understand, we understand that we may get a big offer for you. You know, some people may fall in love with, with what you are again, just like the Rams did that one time before that sort of went backwards. And say, hey, look, let's, you know, we'll, we'll move you or, you know, whatever it is, but I think that he, he's earned that courtesy to, for them to say, hey, look, do you want to do this? Because we know you have gone from living in Philadelphia to going to St. Louis to thinking you were going to move to Los Angeles to having the rug pulled out from under you to going to Kansas City to be with Andy Reid to coming back to Philadelphia. And that's, you know, like, that's hard on anybody's, you know, li- you know life and sanity, okay? And especially if you're married and you get you got a little one and all those kinds of things. What is it you want to do? Do you want us to trade you to get you to another place and a new place that you want to go to, or do you want to stick this out and become a free agent? You know, there's going to be some, I think that there, Harry Roseman would owe him that kind of courtesy of a discussion. Ultimately though, like if somebody comes in and offers you a second and a third round pick or a second and a fourth, you know, if I'm Harry Roseman, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably do that. Even though you could make a really good argument that, Hey, I needed this, this guy one time to win a Super Bowl. You know, I might need him again, especially given the way that Carson Wentz plays. So I think there's going to be some balance that goes on there. Because Carson Wentz, hey, look, that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get him to stop playing the physically aggressive way he does. So I think injuries are likely to be a pretty big part of his career. Jason, as always, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us once more on the NFL on TuneIn. No problem, guys. Be good. 
You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! The National Football League is on. Tune in.